All right. Hey, how we doing? Good. Uh, good to see you all here. Um, so yeah, as uh, as Rick there just said, uh, my name is is D- Dave, and I am in Tucson. I went to school down there, and um, but but I love coming coming up here. Um, I actually currently live in Tucson, and um, yet I'm doing a residency, as as uh, he said, up here every uh, about every week, at least once a week. I come up here because I love Redemption Church. I love what God is doing in and through this church. I love um, who this church is. Um, in fact, this morning I was so excited. I just woke up from Tucson and just ran up here. I just like told my wife, like, I'll see you up there. I can't wait. Um, but, uh, but no, I uh, um, actually though, I, I have a sp- heat impediment, so I just want to want to introduce that or just kind of lo- let you know um, so it's not the microphone going in and out or anything like that. And it definitely has nothing to do with being afraid of being in Tempe or any kind of little cartoon devil doesn't scare me. So that's nothing. That isn't it at all. But I'm not going to I'm not going to stand up here and hate on ASU. I'm not going to do any of that. Um, okay, so even though I I could or should maybe because week in and week out, Rick just rails on, you know, Tucson, things like that. But I'm not going to. But I do want to introduce you, though, to my family just because some of you have never met me. Actually, most of you haven't. So this is my family. Um, (laughs) What? That's just how we dress. We just wear red and blue and big A's every day, every single day. No, no, but uh, actually that's, uh, my wife and I have been, um, we actually just celebrated our 11th um, anniversary, so we did meet, yeah, thank you, and, um, and then the oldest three kids there are actually triplets, um, so I have two g- girls and a boy, um, triplets, and then my uh, f- fourth child there, Zoe, and um, actually they were going to all three, the older ones were going to all come in here, but two of them decided not to. I don't know how to take that, but now I know who gets everything I own is the one that did come in here. But actually, yeah, if you could uh, go ahead and uh, take that down, I don't want anyone tempted to heckle my family and have to charge off the stage or anything like that. So, um, but guys, honestly though, again, because um, I'm new here and and even to kind of introduce the text that we're going to be in, um, I just want to share with you First, my heart, my heart in coming before God's word, um, my heart in coming before you and sharing and sharing God's word, kind of how I come and, and specifically this scripture we'll be looking at in Romans three um, here in a few minutes is um, all about Jesus. And so that's where this um, passage in first Corinthians chapter two just um, explains really um, that it's all about Jesus. It says, and I, brothers, when I came to you, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my speech were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And, and so that's really um, how I'm coming this mo- morning. And, and then specifically to this, um, this text in Romans chapter 3, 
uh, is all about the importance, the, the centrality of Jesus. In fact, one guy said that Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, is uh, the, the center of the heart of the letter to the Romans. And so, um, and so actually, though, with that, before, before I forget, before we turn, um, I want to give you a heads up on where we're headed, kind of where we'll be walking through. So if you don't have a book, Bible, though, here with you, if you could hold your, hold your hand up high, um, and someone in the aisle here would be sure to hand you one. Because we, um, yeah, as a church, if, 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 if you don't own one, uh, this is our gift to you. We are a church um, that is all about the Bible. We come under the authority of Scripture, not only on Sunday, not only right now, but, but constantly throughout life. We submit ourselves to the authority of the Word of God. So, um, so with that, where we're headed today, just so you know, before we, we, we pray and then we hit after it, is that we'll be seeing that God um, reveals his righteousness through Jesus. And, and specifically, Jesus intervenes to justify. Jesus intervenes to redeem. And then, and then ultimately, Jesus intervenes to restore the righteous image of God. God. And so that's where we'll be um, in a minute. With that, let's, let's pray and we'll hit after it. Father, we do thank you. Um, thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to, uh, that we get to come under your word. Um, you say elsewhere in scripture, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, we, we, we acknowledge that truth and we come humbly before you, uh, asking you, even Holy Spirit, please open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, engage our minds to see the truth that, um, that is in your son, Jesus. And it is in his perfect name that we pray. Okay, so if you will, um, go with me to Romans chapter 3 uh, and verse 21. If, uh, if you have one of the Bibles that we handed out here, it's, I believe, in page 611. It begins, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. Okay, so it begins with the words, but now. Um, Any time that you see those words, but now, or any you know, adverb like therefore, or in as much as, or anything like that, you need to consider what came for it, right? Like if you're in a conversation and you kind of zone out and then someone says, therefore, like you're thinking, oh man, what did they just say before that? Like I need to really, I need to know what came before that um, in order to understand this. Well, the same is true in whenever we read scripture. And so it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Well, what, what came before that? In verse 20, we see it, it, the sermon last week ended with this passage. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So um, apart from the law, God's righteousness cannot be seen, cannot be understood, cannot be revealed. And, and that's what we've seen. We saw that last week and for the last like two plus months Right? We've just been seeing week in and week out, kind of, you fall short of God's righteousness. God's, um, God's righteousness is, is such that he is, it is essentially his character, 
his, his goodness, his bigness, his worth. Uh, there's even a legal connotation tied into the righteousness of God, that God is just, and, and that God is a righteous God. And, and that is the theme throughout all of Scripture that we see, as it presents the righteousness of God. And in fact, in the very beginning, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it, it says that, that is, God created us to reveal himself. It says that God said, God spoke, as we heard earlier, he said, let us make man in our image. That God had a purpose that we would reflect him. That who we are, how we interact with one another, how we care for his creation, how we relate with the world around us, who we are, how we live, would be a reflection of God. And specifically, God's righteousness is a really important component of that. In fact, in the Old Testament, it shows up like over 500 times, the word righteousness. And in the New Testament, over 200 times this idea of righteousness. So it's a really important idea. Um, and, and again, God created us with a, a keen awareness of righteousness. It's the idea of like a resume, right? Like if you're applying for a job, if you've ever applied for a job, you give a resume that, that kind of reflects who you are. It, it kind of displays your, your character. It, it displays your worth, in a sense, for that job. Or in school, you have a transcript. I don't know about up here. Yeah, I think they have transcripts. But you, you have a transcript, though, and it, it, it represents who you are as a student student, right? Like kind of why you deserve to go to, to school, to had school. And now some, I just want to acknowledge, um, some of you in here might be thinking, well, I don't know that I even believe in God. I don't necessarily um, really even think about God's righteousness, so that's not really a part of my life. But um, I, I submit to you that it is still um, ingrained in you and, and me, that, that we all, because we are created in God's image, have a keen awareness of our worth, of, of our life, of how we, how we represent ourselves. Um, it, it all ties back into the idea of, of being created in God's image. And in fact, um, one guy, one author, his name's Tim Chester, explained the, the importance of being human and how that is in God's image. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it's, a, you're like, that says Romans. Well, anyway, what he said, <laughs> Tim Chester said, it's actually one of those images, if you stare at it long enough, it, it'll come out at you. See, it worked. Okay, Tim Chester said, you have heard the phrase, I'm only human. Well, there is nothing only about being human. We are truly human as we reflect God's glory. And so to be human is, is to reflect God's glory. That's how he designed you and me. And we have that. Um, we are keenly aware of that. That's, it's ingrained in us. Yet, the Bible says um, we have sinned. Okay, we see here in the scripture that we're looking at even today, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Essentially, sin, though God created us with intent and intimacy to know him and to reflect him, we essentially said, no thanks, God. Um, I want to I kind of establish my own image. I want to establish my own identity apart from you. I want to figure out relationship and life and purpose apart from you. And we 
essentially turned our backs on God. Individually, we have all done this, and this has now defined who we are. And corporately, throughout the world, you see the effect of this. And God could have said, all right, like, go ahead. But God promised that a day would come when he would restore what has been broken, where he would, he would, he would enter in and, 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 and once again reveal his righteousness. And, and he promised this throughout the entire scriptures. In fact, again, right here, as we saw in verse, uh, in verse 21, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the law and the prophets is the entire Old Testament. The, the Bible has been, has been pointing to our sinfulness, right? For the last couple months, you've seen that. You've seen the effects of walking away from God. We've seen the ramifications of, of kind of turning away from him. And, and the law and the prophets have pointed to our inability to uh, relate with God in his righteousness or to live out the reflection of his righteousness. And the law and the prophets have also pointed us to Jesus. In fact, the very beginning of this entire book of Romans in chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am ashamed, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then in verse 17, he says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So Paul kind of sets up, hey, this is where I'm going. Um, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, and then he kind of pushes the pause button or, or explains, but you can't get that until you get the bad news, and so we took like two months to really make sure we get the bad news. And again, we saw that ending in verse 20. Apart from the law, apart from God, or, uh, there is no way to interact with and relate with God in his righteousness. But through Jesus, God has revealed his righteousness. And now specifically moving on, we see that he has done this by Jesus intervening to justify. So if you will pick up with me in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. Okay, just so you know, we're going to camp out for a bit on this, on this idea, on this term of justification. Because one guy, actually Martin Luther, who uh, was around in the 15th, He's referred to as um, like a a church father. He said, the church will stand or fall upon the the doctrine of justification. So this this is a really important idea for us to understand justification. And in this passage, words like justification and faith and grace surface, and we can either skim over them or kind of assume we know, but we're going to camp out for a minute to understand. Well, justification is directly linked to the righteousness of God. A justification is uh, the fact that God is just. He is, he is good. He is big. He is righteous. He is holy. He is love, and God is just. And as I said earlier, he created us in his image to reflect him, and yet we have committed an offense. Again, we've seen it throughout the last number of weeks. And you see that essentially God said, reflect me, 
bear my image, and we have essentially smeared the image of God through how we view ourselves, through how we relate with one another, through how we interact with his creation. We have essentially given God the finger. And so we've been left in this place of having committed this offense before God. Again, there's a legal connotation of, of, of standing before God in his righteousness and falling unbelievably short. No hope left without anything. And God in his justness has poured out his wrath, not letting the offense go unpunished, but he poured it out on himself. He sent his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life, so he didn't have to give an account for himself he, he, he lived a perfect life, and then on the cross, he endured the wrath of God that you and I deserve by smearing the image of God. Jesus has paid the penalty. In fact, I'm going to just turn there quickly in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It, just, it, it, it spells this out so well. For our sake, he, meaning God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God in his justice has poured out his wrath and he has forgiven those who have offended him through the person and work of Jesus. But let me ask you, is that the whole story of justification? Is that your understanding? God, you forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. Because forgiveness is a huge element of justification, but it's that and more. It's not, less than just, it's not less than forgiveness. God forgives you because of the person and work of Jesus, but justification is much more than simply being forgiven. It is actually the bestowal, the giving of a status. You have offended God, and he has, he has said, okay, I, will, I will divert my wrath from you and pour it out on my son. And just for a second, I'm going to dip down into ne- next week's sermon in verse 25. That word, there's a word propitiation that is there. And, and it's directly connected to justification. And it is this. God saying, I spare you from my wrath. I pour it out on my son. And I now give you the status that he deserves, forgiven, restored, accepted, renewed. That, that through the person and work of Jesus, you and I are not simply forgiven, but we are restored. That we are accepted. Okay? It is not squeaking by with a D minus. Yeah, I know some of you are like, D stands for diploma, right? Like, what? Is there anything better than a D? There is. And, but, but honestly, this is going, from, this is going from, from failing miserably, not even a D, failing miserably to valedictorian through the person and work of Jesus. Okay, it is, um, some have even called it the great exchange, that God exchanged our unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ that you don't simply skirt by. And then you see that this happens through faith. Okay, that word is there, faith. And then again, it says, 
belief. And essentially, this is talking about belief and faith is, is trust. It is transferring or even restoring trust away from self onto Christ. We have said, God, I don't trust you. I want to go my own way. But now through seeing God, through seeing what he has displayed in the person and work of Jesus, we put our faith into Jesus. I cannot do it on my own, but he has done what I cannot do. And it is all through grace. Okay, that word grace, is grace simply something we say before we eat? Is grace someone's name? Sorry to quote Bono, for some of you who know you too, there's a song. Um, but, but, but grace is, is much more. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor from God. You, this is essential that we understand that justification, that being justified, that Jesus intervening for you and for me is not and cannot be earned in any way. Grace is both not getting what you do deserve and getting what you do not deserve. And just to help us kind of sum this up, this justification, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Um, that same guy I talked about earlier, Martin Luther, actually in, in Latin, which I just think is, is, is cool. It's sola gratia, sola fide, sola Cristo. And I say that, and I know this isn't the, the five o'clock or the seven o'clock sermon, but if you're thinking about getting inked up, getting a tattoo, and you're like, I don't know what I should get if you're thinking about getting that little silly cartoon I talked about earlier, this, this might be a better option, okay? Sola gratia, sola fide, sola Cristo. It's cool, I don't know. Um, but, but by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone reveals God's righteousness in that Jesus has intervened to justify those who would place their trust in him. And finally, we now, um, we now switch metaphors and we get to uh, Jesus intervening to redeem. Jesus has intervened to redeem and we see it there in the last part of the verse justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the metaphor of justification is law, right? Is legal standing, is status, is offense and forgiveness. And this is connected redemption, right? We are redemption church, but it's a different metaphor. It now has more to do with being freed from slavery, of being, being renewed from, from, released from a place of bondage, of, of helplessness. It, you know, if you've ever redeemed a coupon, it's, it's, it's that idea, right? You have something in there, whatever, exfoliating, wash, something. I have three daughters, so that's kind of things I know about. But so, so there's something that you want to buy and it costs $5. It's kind of stuck there and you give a coupon for, you know, 250 or whatever and it's now released. Well, much much more than that as we talked about, we are designed to reflect the image of God. But because of our sin, we have been stuck in a place in bondage, if you will, unable to live as we are designed to live unable to reflect God as he created us to. 
And, and just for a second, I, I have to hammer home because we have heard throughout, this does not mean that apart from Jesus, if you're not a Christian, that you're completely bad and there's no good, there's no way to, to, uh, to reflect him in any way. No, if you are a human being, you are created in God's image. So you reflect him in some manner. But it is as if we are a mirror, and because of sin, we have been broken. Though we still reflect God in his greatness, it is referred to as the imago Dei, the image of God. It has been broken. But through the perfect life, the replacing death, and the victorious resurrection of Jesus, the mirror has been restored so that now Jesus has intervened to redeem. And ultimately, Jesus has intervened to restore the righteous image of God through those who place their trust in him, who have a relationship with him. We are now free to live in intimacy with God, in renewed relationship with one another, and in restored purpose. So, now we're left as we, as we close with the question, now what? Kind of so what? Okay, I've, I've, I've heard these things. What do I do? What do I do with them? And first, I, I, I want to ask you, how do you respond? Hey, consider, okay, I've heard these things. Now, how do I respond to that? Well, if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you've said, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe some of these things, some things don't line up for me, or potentially you've kind of, you've, you've felt like you had to present yourself as a Christian, but internally these questions of what it all means have continued to turn. Okay, I don't want to fo- force your hand or manipulate anything, but what I want to ask you is this. Has the intervention of God historically been a negative for you? Has God intervening had connotations of meddling, of getting in and, and messing with your life? And it, you've seemingly um, kind of resisted anything of God because him intervening has been a negative. But as we've just seen, his intervention displayed through Jesus is out of love, is one of restoration and renewal and forgiveness and acceptance How do you respond to the intervention of God? And if you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, I want to ask you, that idea of justification, as we talked about, has God simply forgiving you been your understanding of the gospel? God forgives me, so I'm okay, but he's kind of there now with his arms crossed, and he's kind of just waiting for me to mess up. He forgave me, but I squeaked by. Instead, do you see the, the, the constant work of Jesus, that he has not just um, allowed you to squeak by, but he has restored you, that, that, that once and for all, you have been renewed through him perfectly as the reflection of God. So for all of us now, let's, let's pray and prepare to, to respond and to consider, how do I respond to the perfect person and work of Jesus who has intervened to renew and restore the righteous image of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, as, as we said earlier, we, we, I don't know where people are coming from in here today. 
As someone who has four kids myself, I know life can be crazy and coming here, but, but thank you that we get to come and sit under your word, under your authority. Um, I, I do pray that this can be a time of incredible celebration as we see what you have done. Weeks and weeks and chapters and verses have, have displayed, have shown us our brokenness, our need for you. But by your grace, you have entered in and intervened to restore us. And I pray for all of us here, for your work to be done. Open our eyes to consider how will I respond to the intervention of Jesus. And we do pray all these things in his name. Amen.